Hello, welcome to the Love Rosie podcast, the show discussing the 2014 film Love Rosie, five minutes at a time, with Ellen Asprey and Luke Allen. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Ellen Asprey. Hello. Welcome. And with a special guest today for this episode of the Love Rosie podcast, we're joined with Herb himself, Nick Lee. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It's it's absolutely my pleasure. I'm thrilled to talk to you guys. I think your idea of this podcast is equally genius and absolutely nuts. Um, and, and I love it. And, uh, and and I'm excited to talk to you about a film that I was barely in, but it still had a quite a big Sweet impact fair. on my life. I was going to say, I think you had quite a big role in it, actually. Yeah, you know, on on paper, I think in the script, it it was a it was a bigger role. That, uh, there were like a bunch more scenes. Uh, I think there was a uh, there was like a confrontation with Alex when he discovers that his wife, played by Tamsin Egerton, I have no idea what her character's name was. Uh, when uh, he Sally. discovers Sally, Sally mm-hmm. is having a hi, listeners. Luke from the edit here. Just wanted to let you know that towards the start of this recording, there was a lot of background noise uh, around where Nick was. And so in order to prevent too much background noise, we're using the raw audio of the Skype call. We'll cut back to our better microphones uh, shortly. But yeah, just in case you thought the audio sounded a bit rougher, that's why. Actually, that's the weird thing. Sally is literally having a baby in the bathtub. And... And... um, uh, Sam Claflin's character comes over to sort of meet his baby, I guess, or something. And and I'm like, no. And I like fend him off with an umbrella. And I'm like, no, it's actually my baby. And he's like, like oh, oh, I should have loved Rosie all along. There's something. I, I, it, That's it, amazing. Scene, <laughs> yeah. There was, was this was this shot was, then, or was it just? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was shot. Yeah. Uh, we need to email think, Christian and see whether this is anywhere. Uh. I I did. I tried to get it at one point, and I was kind of told, "Oh, you need to talk to somebody who." And it felt a little bit like they were sending me sort of in the direction of like a corporation, and I, um, yeah. the, the corporation is never going to release it. But um, what I did get was, I think I sent you some, and unfortunately, I don't think. You can use them, but oh, maybe you can. The photos, yes. So there yeah. may be a photograph of me with uh, an umbrella pointing it at Sam. And then there's also maybe a picture of me like making a crazy face and there's like a, a skeleton in the background. Yes, I think I did. That's yeah. me looking at Tamsin Egerton giving birth in the bath. Oh. And now that I think of it, there might have even been a real baby. No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just I love the idea of how incredibly that. manic this must have been to then just find out that it's cut must be. Uh, yeah, you know what? Like, it just happens. Like, it just, uh, it happens a lot. Like, especially like if you're not like the lead in a movie, in my experience, uh, forgive me, there's uh, it's trash day in Venice Beach, California, so there's just, this will happen, but it, it will go away if you can hear that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it happens a lot. If you're not, like, the lead in a movie, you can expect that your 
storyline will be cut down. It's, it's happened to me, uh, and not always because I was potentially awful. Uh, like in the first, actually, the first thing that I did, the first acting job I did was in a movie, and I was so excited, and it was such a big and well, it was a, an important. What, what, what film was that? It, it was a film called, and uh, it was a film called Oma. And it was uh, about the Oma bombing. Uh, Channel 4 did it. Paul Greengrass produced it. But the, it was after Bloody Sunday. So it was sort of in the similar theme. It was like a, a true story based on like all, all real events. Um, and it was about the, the, a man called Michael Gallagher. I think his name, please. I hope his name is Michael Gallagher, played by Jared McSorley. And yeah. he is trying to find out the truth of what happened to his son who... Uh, died tragically in the in the Oma bombing, and there's lots of sort of cover-ups and and various things going on, um, which actually happened, and so I was really excited to be involved in that. Um, it was like two thousand and three or four or something, and I was playing a British soldier uh, at the cordon, so that so I was like blocking off, like the, they had this incredible set and the whole thing. It was, it was terrible because this thing actually happened in my lifetime. It was like in nineteen ninety eight when I was like. 17, 18 years old. It's like this terrible atrocity that happened. So, um, so we were recreating the scene in 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 our in a place called Navin in Ireland, and um, this actor called Jared McSorley was playing the you know the victims one of the victims' fathers. I was playing the soldier, and he runs up to the thing, and I'm like, you know, you can't get through here. You have to go back. You you know you you may have to find your son at the hospital. It's like that was it. Yeah, and um, uh, the weird thing about it was, like, I was terrified. Like, it was my first job. It was like it meant a lot to me. I really wanted to be there. I wanted everyone to think I was good, and um, <laughs> uh, and it, and it was shot in a very. I'd shot one other thing before that, but this was the first film I'd done, and it was shot in yeah. a quite a different way. In that, my experience had been where you go, uh, you shoot a master which is usually quite wide. And then you'll go in for like a close-up, a close-up, mm. you might get a medium shot in there somewhere as well. So it's all quite structured. This was yeah. really different. It was very like, uh, you know, boots on the ground, like kind of like run and gun. So, um, uh, so they wanted to, I guess, to capture this frenetic experience. So what they did was they'd set uh, Jerry McSorley down the other side of the street. And I'm standing there just like improvising, like, blocking off this cordon there's you know army vans coming in there's there's police coming in and, and I'm sort of like uh, telling people to get back and all this sort of stuff and then um, and then McSorley runs towards me but he's followed by the crew right so the camera is over his shoulder behind him they've got it sort of like held up and they're running with him and um, and he's and he stops he's like I think my son's in there right so he says his line and then the the camera with all the crew spins around like it, it was like a dragon's tail. It was like, oh, and then over my shoulder to catch him, you know, as I talk or, or, or vice versa. And it was just so daunting and terrifying. And, uh, and, and McSorley's performance was so real um, that I, I, I was just, I was terrified. Um, and the first thing, well, I hadn't met the director. I hadn't met anyone. And, mm-hmm. The director comes up to me and he goes, uh, uh, hi, 
Pete Travis, director. And I go, hey, how you doing? I'm Nick, I'm Nick Lee, soldier number one. And uh, he goes, can you do an English accent? And I was like, that was, uh, that, that was me doing, that was an English accent. And he's like, oh, uh, okay, let's hear it again. <laughs> and, I, and I do it anyway we shoot the thing and then it, I discover later on and the thing about that particular experience was like you know it's a true story the families of the victims are involved in this film and it's like you kind of go okay look at this isn't about me it's not about anyone it's not about performance it doesn't matter but it was still a shock to discover that I had been dubbed over uh, so it was like there, there was like just little like glimpses of me, and I'm going, and and I was sitting in the movie theater with this actor friend who's also in it, who was worried about his accent. He was going, Jesus, I don't know about my accent. And when he came up, I was like, and and then and then when I came up, he goes, Oh, your accent's great, and I was like, It better be because it's not me. <laughs> so I can't um, believe that. So so, so, so when when you were you were cut down for Love Rosie were you notified like before the screening or was it one of those kind of you see it on the screen and you realise because I've I've known multiple actors who've said to me like they've gone to screenings of films or TV shows they've been to and just found out oh I'm in it for half a second I, this is how you know, I shooting day. I'd find this that is so how disappointing I think I, that's usually that's how you find out you turn up and it's you're not there or whatever um, it's quite this a lot is how I think I found out, out. So, sorry say that again it's quite a lot of work to just kind of find that out, isn't it? It's quite annoying. It, I'd be it so is. That was me. I think. I think the tough thing is with film is like it's just it's just sort of or film and TV. It's just sort of brutal like that, you know. It's like they can't be worrying about an actor who wanted to say X line if it doesn't fit into their overall idea of the story and. I get that now. I mean, I, by the time Love Rosie came along, I was just like, uh, really? Whatever. I, you know, I, I had a great experience doing it. And it, yes, it was disappointing that it was such an outlandish, outrageous, like weird experience. And I'll get into that uh, in a minute. But that it was disappointing to not see it sort of play out on screen and go, mm. wow, look, 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 I can be this whole other person. And um, and and that's something I can do now. That was disappointing, and it, it meant then that like the film didn't become like something that I could like sell myself as an actor with, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, because because it's just not enough. I mean, really, if yeah. you're like sh- if you're putting something on your reel, for example, you want people to see. For for me personally, I think I want to have a scene. It want mm-hmm. you know it needs to be a scene, um, and it also needs to have either a close-up or a medium shot in it like um uh that's understandable but but the way i found out is a is a, a quite weird actually i th- this i think this is how i found out so uh we did love rosie in 2013 mm-hmm. i think did, did does that sound right to you guys yeah it, would have been yeah, it came year. out in 2014 and i th- i've got the production schedule somewhere I think it was shot in the summer of 2013 and then and over that that time I had decided I was going to write a film um I didn't really care if I acted again 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to write a film and, um, and, and be in it. So I spent 2013 living in my parents' attic in a small remote place in Ireland writing this uh, feature film. And uh, when I finished it, I, I sort of hooked up with this um, uh, a young director and a young producer. We were going to really work hard to try and get this made. We were part of this uh, low-budget comp- uh, uh, funding competition. And as soon as I finished it, um, the producer quite wisely said, uh, we're going to shoot a promo of this next week. I was like, okay, cool. So they sort of begged, borrowed and stole and got all pulled a load of favors. And we shot this like tiny promo for like, you know, 500 euros or something. And, um, but one of the favors they pulled, uh, incredibly was to get a, an editor called Tony Cranston to, to, uh, edit the promo together. And Tony Cranston was the editor for Love Rosie. So, wow. so when I went over to see the cut at Tony's, uh, editing suite, he was like, oh, hey, it's great to meet you. I also edited Love, Rosie. It was such a shame that they had to cut you out of it. <laughs> so it was funny because no. he's at the, at, in that moment, I'm, I'm there to see this thing that I'm in, that I've written, that, you know, and that I feel really proud of and really attached to. And, and, and he's cutting it. And at the same time, he's saying you were cut out of this other thing. So kind of softened the blow a bit that I was already... Mm-hmm focused on something else you know yeah small world yeah and i, yeah, I guess yeah. as an actor Tiny. it's probably so rare that you kind of get to put a face to the role of the editor as right, well like right 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 um, it was the one and only time we've met yeah so in the uh, to, to go into our our minutes of love rosie for this week um, oh yeah we open uh with the with the little end of the the sequence with rosie and alex sat of that in the park lens glare yeah the, le- the lens flare's going full force <laughs> this minute um um and rosie says the weird thing is she reminds me more of you than greg that's probably just because i love her and then there's a near kiss and alex says we should go yeah and it's clearly awkward but I do love that we cut straight out from this to them laughing together to be like, oh, the tension's gone. It's a ball of fluff. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, it's, yeah. it's such a nice kind of quick way of going, we're not going to hit that tension yet. We're going to wait until about mm-hmm. three and a half minutes from now <laughs> yeah. when it goes full force. Right. I think it's just, it's just, it's, it just finishes the montage and you can kind of move on from it. I quite like that. Yeah, and just lest I don't get a chance to say it, like incredible performances, I think from those mm. two, and you really feel that they are in love, and and I think that's down to two things: uh, one, that they're both like such good actors, um, really charismatic people, and and then the other factor is Christian um, was such a good director. And um, I think in other somebody else's hands, you could go, this thing is very light. It's not very important. Throw it away. Christian was always going back to like, well, actually, this is how I met my wife. Like he would say <laughs> stuff like that. This is this is the story of my relationship with my wife. And, 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 and it would be really, I'll, we can get to it later on. But I, but I just remember uh, chatting to Sam and Lily at one point and, 
and and the process through which um, uh, Christian introduced them to each other. And I, I later learned when I moved to Los Angeles that he was using this technique called Meisner technique, where yeah, you I know someone yeah. who studies Meisner. Yeah, yeah, I I, heard of I, that. I discovered it out here. Do you, you, do you know about it, Ellen? No, I do. Oh, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's something like like I think the fact that I've never heard before since a director, certainly on anything I've worked on, a director using that technique, but it's a way of um, getting people to connect immediately and, yeah. and you sit down opposite each other and you have to look each other in the eye and you start saying things that you observe so it, like the first thing might be um, if Luke and I did it I might say um, glasses and, and Luke might say glasses but then eventually it would be like okay. nice guy nice guy um, uh, feel like an old soul right so then suddenly we're, yeah. we're like connecting in an emotional level and and I that's what he did when with I, Rosie uh, that the, yeah Sam and Lily and wow. and, and and similarly and, that's what to, to, I, I know I made a comparison last week to a previous film of mine but my uh, an actress I worked with Helen uh, who like she just finished studying in New York when I worked with her on a short and I'm pretty sure she said that she was doing Meisner. I wasn't aware of what it was, but she was like, we're doing some Meisner technique here. So I'm guessing that's what they were doing when we were setting up the shot, because I remember she went away with the actor and they were like sat on a bench. And I, I guess that's what it was. So, <laughs> yeah. It creates immediate and it rapport. Yeah, it really, yeah, it is incredible. And, and it's funny because it's only when I came out to Los Angeles, I started uh, studying it and taking a class. And then I was like, Holy shit, I think that's what uh, um, Christian was. And then I met Christian and we had lunch one day and I said, uh, you know, did you do use Meisner with Sam Lilly? And he, he was like, Literally. yeah. And I was like, wow, that's that's cool. You know, that that, that that's happening at that level. Like like and it's just yeah. it's a testament to how smart and how um, what a big heart Christian has and, and how much of that heart he brought to the film. That was like the first three seconds of our five minutes, and I had a point of view on it, so I'm just gonna keep quiet for a minute so we can get the rest of it. No, it's Welcome right. to Minute by Minute Podcasting. No. Yeah, <laughs> Christian, yeah, when, yeah. when we did the podcast with Christian, he said that um, the, the bump, the belly, do you remember that, Luke? Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about like how that kind of scene was kind of from his wife, and yeah, it's, it's kind of sweet. Yeah, it, 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 I. It, it really explains a lot when you can see yeah. how much real life stuff was brought into the film. And that is probably what separates it from your your big budget cheesy rom-coms. That it does feel raw and personal because it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is is there still a scene in the movie where Sam... I, I don't know anyone's name, but Sam Claflin marries Suki Waterhouse? Yeah. Oh, right. Least, so yeah, that... Yeah. So, so the that was incredible. We can get into that, but um, that was incredible because um, Christian, we were all, you know, and it's like you're all dressed up for a wedding, and it's just like, wow, what is this? And like, not everybody had lines, and but we're all there. Christian made the speech about like getting married or something, and everyone was like, <laughs> so no. beautiful, and it felt like we were at a wedding. It was incredible. Oh. Um. And actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell one more story and then we've got to move on, I'm sure. But um, uh, one of my favorite all time moments ever uh, on, on anything I've ever done was they turned the camera on me and Tamsin. Oh, yeah, right. Cause, so he's marrying Suki 
and Tamsin and I are married at this point. I think we have a kid and we're at the wedding and the, we don't have any lines yeah, at the, the wedding, wedding, but they turn the camera. The, yeah, yeah well, right. Okay. So it was like a testament <laughs> to like how everybody is just really nice to each other and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, so turns a camera on us and um, there were two like uh, extras in the scene sitting beside us. But the, the extras were Cecilia Hearn and her husband, right? Who wrote the oh, film. yeah. And they ended up cutting Cecilia, didn't they? Because it was like, the, I, I think I read that pe- they were they promoted it for a while. And then people were being too distracted during the wedding scene trying to spot Cecilia. And they just... Oh, really? I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know about that. But I, but the coolest thing that happened, and Cecilia was amazing. And like everybody I said on this film was, was just so kind and, and warm and fun. But... Um, but the the cool thing was that I when I was dressed as Herb, all I wanted to do was improvise. I was just like, I am this guy, I'm this strange American man. And 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 they let me most of the time. It's probably why I was cut from the film. But um, <laughs> but but this I said I'm gonna improvise something. They were like, Yeah, yeah, cool. So I said uh I turned to Cecilia as Herb and I, because they were just shooting them like sitting down at the wedding and I, and we were like introducing ourselves. So I, I said, I shook her hand and I went, how do you know the bride and groom? And she went, I created them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can, it's one of these films as well. Like I'm never quite sure how you can tell, but you can really tell with, with certain films that everyone was having fun. Like, I, I don't know what it is because it's not, you know, in performances, even if it's a really sad film, you can just sense from the actors that they're enjoying themselves, and you can also sense it the other way uh, if you're watching a movie where they're not having fun at all. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's where there's there's an extra level, like um, which Love Rosie definitely doesn't uh, doesn't play into this, but uh, there's a big thing with um, among the podcast community I'm involved in with like a lot of in- bad movies. And even some movies that are considered like critically awful, I love because you can just tell from the actors when they're having a fun time. I mean, you can and look at Adam yeah. Sandler's yeah. films, can't you? I draw my Ad- line at Adam Sandler films, uh, but Adam Sandler, <laughs> no, like he has all the bloopers at the end, and they just look so fun. Hmm. They have a lot of fun. I like that. I I bet he is having the time of his life when he when he's at work. Yeah. Um. So, in terms of Odeon. Not Odeon. I got an email from Odeon the second I was reading my script. Sorry. Uh, right. So Sorry, my sister ter- just walked in as well. That's, so, that's such a coincidence. So in terms of, of Love, Rosie, um, let's see where we're at now. I've just accidentally scrolled my script down. You see, you'll notice, Nick, the final cut of this episode will sound lovely and smooth, and every every show has so many of these. We, ha- we have um, to say this to each other all the time because... Yeah, because we're like, oh, it's going terribly. But no, in the yeah. edit, it's it, it it sounds good. It's just about one third of the length of how long it was. Guys, um, I'm all about the digression. Like, uh, if you haven't realized that about me yet, that's I'm just <laughs> let's digress into this thing because you know it's that's how you figure the thing out, you know. So love Rosie. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, I think that's almost the catchphrase of the show is, so, love Rosie. Um, uh, Sally meets Rosie for the first time. Sally? (laughs) Rosie, Rosie, Sally. Good morning. Hi. Wow, this should be in a museum. Oh, it's nothing. Just quail egg and asparagus and 
feel it does look like a pi- like a piece of art, doesn't it? It does look like a piece of you art. You can see why she ended up with Herb. It's, <laughs> it's, it's artistic <laughs> minds. My regular baked beans. <laughs> good old British baked bean. Zero nutritional value. Yeah, but good on toast. Um, I'd Not literally wrong. just written in, in all caps, go away, Sally. She yeah. was really angry. Baked me. beans on toast is the elite, in my opinion. <laughs> um, And I know, Ellen, we spoke a couple of episodes ago about Tamsin Edgerton's accent in this and how we were kind of oh, yeah. not so sure on it. I, I'm sold on it now. I think the consistency's won me over. We haven't yeah, heard enough guess, of, of Jamie's to for me to like know how I... F- where, where, where do you stand, uh, Nick, without breaking any you know of your friendship well it's funny because this movie was a based on a book that was set in ireland that was reset in the uk made by a german production company featuring british actors as americans and irish actors (laughs) but so so it kind of there's a lot to mix and a match and but uh yeah so it was uh, oh gosh you know what i i have to mention as well there was the most amazing dialect coach on this um, film. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot him. He was like, he walked into the room, he was six foot something, and he had this beautiful resonant British accent, and he had worked on everything. And his name was Andrew Jack. And bless him, he died, uh, I think, of COVID uh, in March uh, 2020. And he was mourned by the film community the world over. Um, but he, I just remember, I, I, I only sort of met him like once or twice and worked on the accent a little bit. Um, but he was like, like he has, he worked on everything. Like he was on Star Wars, he was on Lord of the Rings, he did everything. And he was so lovely and gentle and amazing. Um, and again, it was just like, it's so f- strange to me that this film that I'm barely in, <laughs> mm. uh, like, offered me the opportunity to meet these extraordinary uh, artists uh, and people who have offered so much to the world of cinema, um, mm-hmm. and um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think everybody was really lucky to to work with him, and so I think all the accents are great. <laughs> to, I mean, that's, that's a fair pull, point. That's a fair point. To, to pull, to pull, to yeah. pull, to pull your, uh, to pull it round to your question, your original question. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So Jamie is Irish, Tamsin is American. Uh, oh, sorry, Tamsin is 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 English. Uh, Lily is American. Uh, was British so, uh, for like six, her, her yeah, for six years? Was it? I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but when yeah, you speak to her, like she sounds like a. Very American, and I, I yeah, because I, one... I remember Love Rosie and the the Les Mis series were the main things I knew Lily Collins from. So when right. I was listening to interviews for this show, I was like, her real accent sounds fake. <laughs> like I was just so used to yeah, her. Yeah, I was like, yeah. it doesn't. This feels like she's yeah. It's so her British accent is amazing, and it's a different British accent she does for Les Mis as well. Like she's just got a variety yeah. of British accents. <laughs> no, she's a really really smart, brilliant actress. You know. She did really well. Was with there? Answer. There was a question. Did I? Did I answer the question? I think yeah. I answered it. Did I? Yeah. Kind I think of. So, yeah. That scene is great. I love that scene because I just rewatched it, and it just it sets up exactly who Tamsin is, and why. Um, what's Sam's character's name? Why do I? Alex. 
Alex is white. He, Alex is... he is genuinely the character who we keep referring to as Sam as yeah. well. Right, we, right. We, we, we refer to him as he, Sam. he just radiates Sam Claflin so much that, <laughs> that we just call he, him Sam. Yeah, he does radiate Sam Claflin, and I think that um, the that scene is brilliant because it shows the shit show that 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 uh, Alex slash Sam is in, um, like in one scene. It's like he's he's she's pregnant. So he's stuck in this relate, but she's like on, you know, she's got, uh, she's very particular. She's kind of upset with him. Her brother's an asshole. Um, you know, he's, he's out of his comfort zone. And, and it just, I just think that scene is great. It does yeah. work. It, I think it's needed as well because that's kind of when everything kind of collapses for him. And when we have mm, hope yeah. for them, Rosie and him together then. But, I mean that doesn't happen obviously. Yeah, and you can see why he called upon Rosie almost as like a, a grabbing on to what was good. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, so uh, Sally says, <laughs> "Oh, you know I can't drink." Of course. But how are we going to cope without the numbing haze of alcohol? Why can't you drink? If that's not a rude question, Alex. What? Alex and I are pregnant. Twelve and a half weeks in. Why? So weirdly, it sounds way more pretentious for her for her saying of Alex and I. Like I, I didn't get it because it should sound sweet, but it sounds so pretentious the way she says it yeah it's just yeah it's but then also she's trying to convince herself it's alex and not not you you. yeah that 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 might be it partially actually that she almost felt the need to specify alex to almost remind herself very good call yeah very good call um it's an awkward it's an awkward situation for rosie isn't it yeah i mean if that happened to you in actual, like in real life, you'd just be sat there like, oh. <laughs> well, I we, are, we have got somewhere. to remember that Rosie's getting a taste of her own medicine here. She tried to, like five years ago, she tried to hide her pregnancy from mm. and, and child from Alex. So like, they're on equal level now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Congratulations. Congratulations. Alex, you didn't tell me. No, I, I, that's, sorry, I thought it did. <laughs> It it is very like farcical. I love it. <laughs> I do like this. Thing. It's quite funny. And then they just start laughing, don't they? Yeah, it's weird because her her breakdown at why can't you just say fudge genuinely like made me briefly feel sorry for her. But then when she starts throwing the stuff off the table, I'm like, oh no, I hate Sally again. Like yeah, it was it's just so dramatic. It was so dramatic for no reason. I don't. Yeah. Who would do that in front of a guest? Well, you just maybe realised. Uh, Alan, when you said, "Of course, it's it's Herb's kid," because that's what why Sally is, is goes to ten oh, yeah. so quickly because she's dealing with her own personal crisis, which is that 
she's, uh, not so she's in an unhappy relationship and she's pregnant by another man. The completely never used plot in romantic comedies. Like we don't uh, know yet. We, we're not supposed <laughs> to know this shit. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, and she says, it's okay. We have. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce the word that she says. We have herbs. We'll play the clip. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading the what I've got written down, and I'm like, what the heck does she say? Look what you made me do. It's okay. We have herbs vernissage in an hour. It's everything is gonna be fine. Uh, but it's in an hour, and everything's gonna be fine. And Alex says, "Oh, I'm is sorry. it like visage or something?" It it's so, right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna type the word into our Skype chat. Once yeah. again, this will be of no effect to our listeners because they'll just hear the clip and hear her saying it properly. I think but it's what the heck is this word? Yeah, I, I have no idea. I do know. Oh, hang on, it's 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 a typo. I've just realised it's vernissage in an hour and the I N on whoever I've got this. Transcript I was nearly from, right, and I don't even have it in front of yeah. me. Yeah, so the person who I've got this this transcript from has just made that typo, and I'm just too stupid to not realise she says vernissage in an hour. I don't know what vernissage well, is, but I don't know. I've never heard that word before either. But I did think for a second that it was Herb's last name, but it's not. Because Herb's last name is like a really, really long, weird, like Finnish name. It's like okay. Herken Doctor Schlurken Diddledum or something. Like it's like really, it, it, you know, it was like a whole comedy thing that's like in the background. But I don't know if it ever made it to to the. Club. I'm gonna load up the visuals when we get up to I the Venusage in a moment. I think she says Herb's Venusage in an hour. So I think the, the whatever it's set, whatever it is isn't like is the place that it's at, like a museum. Maybe, hmm. maybe I don't know. Oh yeah, you can you can briefly see Herb's name uh, on the thing. It's so it's spelled. I'm not gonna even try and pronounce it. S N A E F E A. Sorry, E L L. S J O K U L L S S O N. Oh yeah, that's his name. Yeah, that is on the thing. Isn't yeah, it? you see it really, oh. re- like really briefly, almost like as an establishing shot when we enter. We see the I am, and it says herb. Um, oh, right. So how, how could, could, because I guess we're kind of coming into herbs vernissage now. How did you find entering this place where there were multiple pictures of your face up the massive? Well, the weird thing was that was my first day shooting. We're shooting in. So, so the interesting cinema magic of that is that exteriors are in Toronto and interiors are Dublin. So outside there's like these huge posters, like life size posters of me as Herb. Which I never saw. They were in Toronto, and then, but then inside uh, was Dublin, and it was actually this really cool indie cinema called um, the Lighthouse Cinema in Dublin. Oh, I've heard, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah it's really yeah. great. Um, huh. It's kind of like the Ritzy, as Rit, the Ritzy. Do you know that in Brixton? It's kind of like an indie it, cinema yeah. or the BFI or something. Um, uh, but uh, that, anyway, we shot there. That makes there sense. In the it really. It really gave me cinema vibes. I feel like I've seen similar like spaces like that in other films. It seems very similar to like I can't even think of the film. What's that film? Um and it's oh, I don't even know. 
It's gonna come to me in a bit. I'll say it in a bit. I'll just. I guess say so, yeah, we we need we need more more specifics than that film in order to, yeah, to help right. the question. Uh... I just carry on. Just carry on. It'll come to me. There's, there's, um, uh, yeah. It's sort. Of, it, I mean, it's sort of like a generic modern kind of cinema space. But yeah. the um, the thing actually, the interesting thing about that was that it was my first day of shooting, um, and however. I had done like lots of like hair makeup stuff because I looked so wacky. Um and also um actually so I did hair and makeup stuff with amazing but and actually uh Lynn Johnson, who's like an Oscar nominated makeup artist, did like all the makeup. She like that bleach dyed my eyebrows white so that like they could tint them ginger so i was like going around in the real world and people go are you sick or is there something going on because when you when you like lose your eyebrows people don't quite notice but they do kind of know your face is sort of strange so uh lynn johnson expertly did that she was brilliant and then lorraine glenn um did the um uh, did the wig the herbs kind of crazy ginger wig and yeah. um and they were amazing um so so i went and did like a, a bunch of like fittings and, and 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 stuff for that and then i had to go and do a photo shoot to create these like herbs kind of art mm-hmm. and it, i don't remember much about it but i do remember it was kind of hell like like it was kind of awful nobody really knew what was going on it was kind of i felt like a pin cushion um <laughs> it was some special camera in the dark using like these laser lights thing i just remember that it was kind of hellish and i was like oh i hate this get me out of here and then uh when we went on the day uh the cool thing about it was again it was like my first day and i said to christian when the camera turned on me i said uh can i do you mind if i riff and and uh at the end of the scene when i get the dialogue out and uh christian was like uh how do you mean riff and i went like improvise and he was like oh yeah yeah improvise whatever you want and i was like okay and immediately i was like i'm home this is wonderful i love it and none of it's in the movies yeah, I, mean, I, guess, but, but, I think I think yeah. the fact that you improvise works so well because you're supposed to be weird. You're supposed to be like this weird artist that is right off I the cuff. Know. I think I think the lines that are in there are probably as I mean, there's only literally one line I think that I say that that made it into the film, and it's like I used to be able to remember the lines like. Well, we're we're, we're up to it, yeah. like in a couple yeah, yeah, of lines, and like I could then yeah. send it to you, and we could we could get a live reading maybe to to air on the show. <laughs> um, so just just before that, we get a, a brief exchange where um, we see Rosie drinking, looking quite upset. Sorry, Sally had this plan for weeks. It's not for long. Sweetie, Doctor Johnson's by the sweet and sour problems. And I think almost the, the discomfort of them both calling each other sweetie so close to each other as well also is quite awkward and jarring. Yeah, no, I which agree. Which kind of puts another sense on the relationship where it's like it's a very kind of affront that they're putting on because th- their nicknames for each other are the same. <laughs> and it's, yeah. which I'm sure isn't, you know, impossible. But in, in terms of like film writing, it's clearly a deliberate move because you don't start two lines of dialogue with the exact same word. Um, 
unless you're doing it for a point. Um, but the senior thoracic surgeon, Alex. <laughs> She's right, Alex. Go on. Let's go. And then Sally goes off with Alex. Um, and what I do quite like here is that, like, Sally has, in some ways, seems like she's, like, believes she's doing the best for Alex. But she's just misguided by it. And it kind of humanizes us, humanizes her, despite the fact we still hate I think, her. I think she's just reassuring herself, honestly. I think the reason that she's been put into those positions where she's, like, going over to him, asking him to come with her, this and that, is purely because she knows what she's done. And she's also trying to move away from the person in front of her. It's it's so interesting that, like, she'd even have Alex meet Herb. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, I mean, is it a way of throwing him off the scent? Like, it, it's so odd. No, it is a bit odd. Or she, she has to be there for Herb, maybe. And also, I think, like, she's into the idea of Alex being a doctor. You know, it's the state. It's the status thing. Money. It's like go and talk yeah. to him so that you can get promoted and we can live a very nice life together. Yeah. Yeah. Do Whereas... we know what Sally does at any point? Because she was in Alex's class, which assumed that she was studying medicine for a bit oh, as well. Yeah. But okay. Then... Yeah. But now she seems quite kind of yeah more artistic than. So maybe she maybe she dropped out. Maybe yeah. It's so. And once again, we don't we don't need to to know these things, but it is it is interesting that we we kind of don't. We're acting as if they have, career. if they're real people, and this is their real life, and we just watched yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's I a documentary. <laughs> literally, literally. I, I, well, I think I think that's what proves that the writing of this film is so great. That these little things that we don't know feel like, why don't we know this? Because we know so much else from what we've been given. That it's, yeah. Um, yeah so and then. <clears throat> Herb gives his little speech, which I've just typed into the chat, Nick, if you're able to, to give us maybe a, a live reading of this. I, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. But... Okay, listen, I don't really act anymore, but uh, let's give this a whirl. Um, okay. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Thank you, Alan. I need it. <laughs> this image here is one of my favorites. How to articulate that transient moment when you see something through the camera's eye. It's a little like love at first sight, stops you in your tracks. Suddenly you recognize it for exactly what it is. <laughs> that was incredibly surreal to hear, to be fair. That was <laughs> amazing. This image here is one of my favorites. How to articulate that transient moment when you see something through the camera's eye. It's a little like love at first sight. Stops you in your tracks. Suddenly, you recognize it for exactly what it is. You know, it's weird because it does come back to me. I did not study Meisner at the time, and so my approach to acting was very uh, like I did in theatre, which is like where you repeat things a lot, and you, or, or for me anyway, I would like repeat it a lot, and I would uh, decide how I was going to say things. So with Meisner, it's much more like you look at it and you just let it out. Whereas with um, with with my the previous way I, I would work or how I studied in school or in college or whatever it was uh, that you know be really prepared and as I read that I could feel all the things coming back that I'd already decided, which yeah. isn't advisable for a film. It's not advisable. You want it to sound <laughs> fresh every time. <laughs> 
Yeah, but no, then I'm, you're just I'm throwing the out the Marlon Brando the... excuse of never learning your lines at all. <laughs> yeah, but with my school speeches, I'd always go over and over and I'd always say them exactly the same every time. A few mistakes, so I'd have to repeat it, but it would be these spoken the exact same. <laughs> You'd like inflect at the at the exact moment. Yeah, I know what yeah. you mean. I know I'm what you mean. Kind of psychotic, I'm... a little bit psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> that's and that's. I mean, I think. I mean, it's sort of the big arg. You know, it's the big argument, and it's sort of like Brando. Yes, was one extreme. You know, where it's like, could he ever say it the same? Ever did he ever learn his lines? But then you've got people who are just so uh, alive and in the moment. Like, like I mean, there's a brilliant uh, outtake of Daniel Day Lewis in as Daniel Plainview, uh, where he's just sort of rambling. So maybe it's actually from the film, but there's like, and he starts laughing with the boy or something. But you know that because he's in it, it doesn't matter how he says it. It's not like. It's not like when he says it a different way, he sounds like he's not in character. He's always sort of present to the to the role and the character. And and then you can give a director or an editor a bunch of different options. When I was when I was acting, um, uh, I I would always just try to get it right, and it's not the mm-hmm. right approach. It's a really bad way to approach something because you're constantly trying to just get it that it's so that it's passable, you know. Yeah. Whereas, whereas if you're a little bit more confident, what you should be doing is just like it's the Meisner thing. You breathe it in, you, you it. live it, you know. Yeah. yeah. This image here is one of my favorites, yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, literally. No, it's. I don't even think I could do acting. I feel like I'd just, mm. I, I'm just not relaxed enough. I'd end up doing like being like a robot in front of the camera. It'd be so terrible. It's hard. That, and I've had moments where, especially like the first moments are terrifying. You're like, oh, just get through it. Yeah. And actually what I loved about improvising, for example, was that like, there's no pressure on improvising. It's like being a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout. You save yeah. one, you're a hero, you let one in, nobody's going to hold it against you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same way with improvisation. If you, if you, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> what is this podcast? What is, what's going on? Why aren't we a part of it? one of my room that's why it was so loud i'm sorry about that you can carry on no no not at all i have no idea what i was rambling on about but i'm glad they interrupted me i think you probably the podcast needed that at this moment in time <laughs> suddenly you recognize it for exactly what it is a load of bollocks i i, I do quite like how like rosie is like it's it's weird because we've we've criticized the film before for having moments that feel a little bit too Bridget Jonesy, and that definitely mm. is like like the equivalent of a scene that was in Bridget Jones, but with uh, Mister Hits Fitzherbert, that was it. That's Mr. the thing. That's the thing. It is. And, but this it, works here, I think. It is. Or, but I would just say that's that's what you would say, wouldn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. You just if someone was saying so. that to a picture, you'd just be like. I could imagine <laughs> that being the sort of thing you would actually say under your breath and not realize you're saying so loudly. Yeah. Where, yeah, I mean, yeah, 
but it's just interesting. It does like very much remind me of the scene in Bridget Jones with Mr. Fitzherbert. Yeah. Um, uh, which is weird because I didn't think I remembered any of Bridget Jones. It's like my least favorite Richard Curtis movie. But there we go. Percy! Percy, where are you going? Back home! And I mean it, England. This is too crazy for me, okay? I walk straight into the middle of something here. Look, it's, it's all fine, honestly. Sully and I just needed to air some stuff. Oh, good. I'm glad you're fine, because I'm not. We were out together the whole night, Alex. And all the while, your girlfriend was at home expecting a baby. And you didn't say. Come on, Rosie. Nothing happened. We were just, we were just having some fun. That's what you brought me over here for, then. Just some fun. So, so this is interesting. We were discussing last time about, like, what Rosie... What what Alex said as to why Rosie doesn't bring Katie with her, um, and so I guess this suggests more that it was a rather misleading invite. So you didn't see this be filmed, did you? You weren't there. No, that was that was in no. Toronto. Um, okay. Uh, playing Toronto, playing Boston, I think, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, cheaper cheaper to shoot in Canada. Don't you don't have to pay um, SAG fees, SAG SAG after rates, which the which is the actors union, which pays, uh, which really looks after American actors. So the rates are much higher than if you go to Toronto. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I live in America now. It may, it, may, it, may, it makes sense for budgetary reasons, I, I guess. I want to move. You know? I want to move. I'd love to move there. What were you going to say, Ellen? I would love to move there. Um, and also, were you only, did you only film in um, Ireland then? Only filmed in Ireland, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And I would imagine that that scene at the dinner table with uh, Jamie and um, uh, Tamsin uh, and, and the two guys, that probably shot in Dublin as well, yeah. Okay. That makes sense, okay. yeah. Um, it's, it is, it's so fascinating how, especially like in, in the... You know the fact that the majority of the film is takes place in England. It feels so English to be like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, it's Dublin, and yeah. we we could never. We were asking Christian, and he wasn't sure either as to like why they took it out of Ireland, like because the novel is so quintessentially Irish that like that like it's so right. it's so weird how brilliantly they translate it to British, but probably why? is it more something... marketable? You know, it's really hard. Like, like you're talking about you. That's a question that is like about really the corporate machine. And I think so. Then what? So there could be like a many, many factors. I, I say this like I'm an expert. I have no idea, but this is what I guess. I'd say it's something to do with funding. Whoever funded it, I know that the screenwriter was British. I know that like. Like, and the interesting thing about that they shot it in Ireland, even though they changed the locale, is probably because it was cheaper to shoot in Ireland. Again, mm. pay, pay actors less, pay crew probably less than they get paid in England, stronger unions in England. Um, uh, also, there's a tax break in Ireland uh, for, for people who come and, and shoot there, which, which uh, entices sort of film and media productions over. But, yeah, there was probably an element that, like, you know, it's a quirky little Irish film if they if they set it in Ireland, and it's a more cosmopolitan, marketable. I believe, and again, I'm guessing, and you should take everything I say about this film with a pinch of salt. 
but I believe the budget was like $20 million for this film. Yeah, Christian said something around that. I'm trying to remember. It oh, he did? Okay, 12, cool. He said, because we, oh. we couldn't find it, so we, we asked him. Yeah, it was... That's it. That's I, I just added $8 million. That must have been my fee alone, or just for my <laughs> wig. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, um, um, I, yeah, yeah, it was... So, yeah, it could be... Many, many it's factors. Happened with, it's happened with Cecilia's novel before. Like, P.S. I Love You is a very, very Irish novel, but it's American, the movie. Oh, I and, didn't I mean, realise. J- Jerry yeah. is an American, is Irish in it's right, the film. Yeah. But it's... And there's a lot of Irish stuff in there, as I guess there still is with Love, Rosie. Like, her dad's Irish. You still get a hint of the kind of Irish feel to Of course. It. Whereas oh. Jerry in P.S. I Love I You, yeah, he's Irish, his family's Irish, but the film is, like, very American. What were you? I, mean, I, would what have, you... I would have always said that this film is like London. I always thought that it was based in London, like where they were filming their house, yeah, and like the neighborhood. I just always thought it's that was... it's funny because Sam is. I remember having a conversation with Sam at one point, and he was like, "We none of us knew where it was set." So he was like, "Like he said, my accent." He was talking about his own accent and like just shifting it slightly. He was like, "Is this London?" Because I thought it was Norwich. Maybe he's from Norwich. I could be confu- conflating all those things. One other tiny uh, anecdote uh, is that uh, Lorcan Cranich is a, an amazing Irish actor who I'd worked with on stage, and uh, he plays Rosie's dad. And when I went to see the movie in Dublin in 2014 with my friend, uh, my friend Declan, shout out to Declan. And uh, so when I when I went to to see the movie with Declan uh, in the movie theater, um, I was watching it and I, and I was shocked because uh, Rosie's dad works in a hotel, right? Yeah. I was working in that hotel <laughs> when the movie came out. It was so crazy because, like, he was like in around the hotel doing the stuff that, like, that was my job then. Like, as I was yeah. watching the movie, it's quite surreal. That's insane. Oh, that's that's amazing. What a coincidence! That was a fancy hotel we working at. It's a very nice hotel, the Shelburne. Um, Ellen, going back to the point that you made about how it it feels like the film was, you know, set in London. Mm. I think that it really is explained when Christian said to us before that like Notting Hill was a massive like influence in, on yeah. his filmmaking. Yeah. Where it's like I definitely get that Notting Hill vibe. Like oh, yeah. it's. That the, the whole idea of kind of that circle of friends and their life together and the idea that you you almost imagine that everyone's houses are so close to each other. Weirdly, even when they're flying over to America, it still feels like they're just around the corner in a very strange way. Like it, it, it feels like a, a, a tight, intimate, closely connected yeah. world where it's like, oh yeah, they just travel between England and America and that's just part of it. Um, I don't know whether like what I'm thinking is coming out as much as, as well no, as I, I, think, it, I think it makes as sense. I think, but I think so. Maybe we'll, we'll read. Yeah, I think so. And you do get a vibe of don't don't they doesn't don't they start a hotel or something? Doesn't Jamie Winston yeah. and yeah, yeah, at the end, I feel like that is quite Irish looking. Yeah, but yeah, by the coast. I don't know. But I yeah, probably. That, that, yeah, that was the one thing which I think we said to Christian, and he couldn't remember where it was supposed to be, mm. because we I were looking at that and we were like, "Where is this? <laughs> like, where, is where, where in England is this?" You... Don't really remember that 
part of the film but yeah i mean it was all shot around like in the summer in ireland along the coast which is in dublin especially it's quite specific like it's you can't well i mean i, mean, I can't mistake places, it you know yeah there are places in england that look a little like that like i'm imagining i've, I've never actually I've well, never i mean been it's to just cornwall, on the coast but i'm imagining places in cornwall cornwall like yeah that when you're down by but it, but again i think if you're <laughs> packaging a film and you're hoping that you know the American audience that went to see P.S. I Love You will latch on to this. Yeah. In, in their minds, they're just going, yeah, it's an English coastline thing. You know, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like people don't really think about it too They'd, much, you know? I feel, no, I didn't. I didn't. I as much as we this. look at Toronto in it and go, hey, it's America. Like, it's. Right. It's, yeah. It, well, it was Boston it to me because that's what I was used to. Right. You know, it was. So I didn't really even think it was Toronto. It's weird. You never really think of locations, do you? But there's quite a lot of thought that goes into it. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's only I think it's only until like you know that area that you're like, that's not where that's not where they said it was. Right, exactly, yeah, if you've been or and that it's it's a hard thing about like if you're making something like say in Dublin and it's about Dublin. And they go from X place to Y place, and you're gone. Yeah. They couldn't have got there that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Traffic alone would have been a nightmare, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's like fun as well. It's... Yeah. I, I remember um, my excitement when I realized, and actually, this place no longer exists. Um, but I, I was excited when I realized I was a massive Doctor Who fan. I still am, but I, I was like massive when I was like ten or eleven. I feel like and I've already in, heard the story, so uh, possibly I don't so know sure. what I'm about to say. I don't know whether you know if I've said this. And um, in the Doctor Who episode, uh, the Impossible Astronaut, they go to Utah, and as part of it, they're in this kind of like American diner. And I and it's like the most kind of conventional American diner you've ever seen, and then when I went off to like a Doctor Who location, looking at some of the locations, uh, when I went to go to the Doctor Who experience, it's like oh, it's just a cafe in the corner of Cardiff, right, but it's right, just right, so right, American feeling, it, um, shorthand again, really, I guess, which is is kind of what you need in in film, especially when you're in a location for such a short amount of time, is the most simple, stereotypical shorthand what's uh, the what's the thing in film school that, that about the is it the cruise chef effect or the cool love effect where it's like the same guy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then they show a bowl of something and then they cut back yeah. to him and you it looks like he's smiling but really it's the same thing it's sort of like that like in you know if you show exterior empire state building interior diner you're gonna go that's new york even if it might be like cardiff for you know, oh, central yeah. London yeah, or whatever. 100%. I wanted to see you, for Christ's sake. You're my best friend. Or maybe you needed someone from your old life to point out the truth. What, what truth? You're in a mess, Alex. This whole situation is one big bloody giant mess. Me? I'm in a mess. And you're in denial. You're projecting. Okay, can we just stop the psychobabble here and just talk like English people, please? Fine, 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 fine. Look. I, I was worried that you might find... And then we cut midway through five. But yeah, thanks so much for finding the time yeah, to yeah. join us today. Oh, absolutely. Where yeah. can our listeners find you on social media if they want to... Uh, at NickJLee1, I think, on Instagram and at NickJLee on Twitter, although I don't tweet a whole lot anymore. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so yeah. much. Anytime, guys. An absolute pleasure.
stay in touch yeah of course all right see you guys bye-bye hello listeners apologies we don't have our usual segments of film of the week and question of the week um today but what we do have in replacement is a brand new piece of exclusive love rosie content nick was able to track down his original audition tape from when he auditioned for the role of herb in love rosie where he does a couple scenes including some that aren't in the final cut of the film so hopefully this is a very worthwhile replacement and that you'll enjoy it if you want to find the video version of this audition tape then check out our social medias yeah enjoy this image here is one of my favorites how to articulate that transient moment when you see something through the camera's eye it's a little like love at first sight stops you in your tracks and then suddenly you see it for exactly what it is. Lord Waters. Hey, Alex, what's up, dude? Don't do it to me. I want to see my son. I'm here now, Rosie. Thanks. Stay back, Buster. Are you insane? Sally needs a positive vibe around her for her bombing experience. I'm sorry, Alex, but you've got a really negative energy field around you right now. Really? Uh-huh. Where? Here? For example. And here? Pretty much. There. Oh, you mother... Oh! Did not deserve that. Shut up! That is exactly why I call this my masterpiece. You're welcome. Good night. Did you end up figuring out what that film was that you were trying to think of? <laughs> Which had the, the room? Um, I went to go watch it in the cinema. Got the guy that's in uh, that apocalypse where like it the earth turns to hell. Ooh, okay. Right, hmm. Do you know what film that is? No. Right. Let me let me just I can search it now because I feel I don't feel guilty going on my phone. The film called This Is the End. Oh yeah, I know this. Yeah, that was like an average movie. I didn't like that it. It got eighty-three percent Rotten Tomatoes. What on earth? Well, no, it's, it's, the whole... it's got Seth Rogen in it. Okay, here we go. Well, yeah, We're it's, the, it's the whole appeal of. Oh, hang on. Are you thinking before you search it up? Because I haven't seen it, but it's the same sort of color scheme of Long Shot. Yes, 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 yes. That's the one I'm after. <laughs> That's the one I meant. I was literally thinking that one. Because you see, I, I, cinema, I've never seen this movie. That but... room, they go into this room thing. I think, I think they do. Maybe it's, maybe it's even a different film. I don't even know at this point. But that is like, identical to the Love Rosie thing. Hey, I like thinking I've won this guessing the film game. It's, it's. If you yeah. give me a couple of those clues, I can, I can get it. Um, so, Ellen, where can our listeners find us on social? Go check us out on at Love Rosie Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I think. Do we have Facebook? Yeah. Okay, that was right. We do. First time, I think. Yeah. And you can also email us, loverosiepod at gmail.com. Find us on Podchaser, IMDb, and all the likes. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you What's so our much. question that we ask them for next week? Um, uh, oh, we could do something really open-ended. And we could get people to suggest their own questions of the week. Send, yeah, send us in some questions of the week, some questions 
We're running out here. (laughs) That's great. Okay. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye bye. Why I wave because they can't see me waving, can they? They couldn't see my finger guns either. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. The Love Rosie podcast theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of Reprise from the Love Rosie soundtrack, originally composed by Ralph Reganmayer. The Love Rosie podcast is produced by Bottle Oak Productions and is distributed by Lemon Drop Studio. For more podcasts and blogs, visit lemondrops.com.